John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And time for Four Downs with Sean Salisbury. And so, Sean, we made it. We made it through the summer. We've made it through uh, training camp. And now we're within, uh, what, over 48 hours from the start of the regular season and a game that you are going to be watching with great interest because it's the Houston Texans and you're down in Houston. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. And now with the deal getting done at $39 million a year for Deshaun Watson, can he try to beat the quarterback that's making a little bit more than him in uh, Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, the great thing about this game is you get the two guys that are near the top and you got one in Seattle that are as good as anybody in the league and every time you go into a game you got a chance. Now it's an uphill climb because not only do they got the the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday, then they gotta get ready what, nine, ten days later to play the or eleven days later I guess I should say, to play the uh, Baltimore Ravens at home due to the Texans. So it's a tough first month, but you gotta take the business as it comes and you know that the Kansas City Chiefs so you, you if you like good quarterback play you'll see it in this game. I just wonder in this John where the defenses are for both teams without a lot of padded practices and a lot of hitting going on. And it's going to come down in my mind, which one of these quarterbacks is feels the most heat from a front seven or a pass rush. Cause if you allow them both to stand clean, you know, they're going to deliver the ball and Deshaun deserves every penny. And I'm sure guys like Kyler Murray and, and Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott in particular are watching closely. And then people here are a little uh, beside themselves after seeing the money DeAndre Hopkins got in Arizona a trade that they didn't like that Bill O'Brien made this offseason. So we'll see how it goes, but it's a hell of a, a hell of a start in one great quarterback matchup in week one. Oh, it really is. Well, let's get going with the matchup on four downs. First down, after adding Jadevian Clowney, are the Titans now a top-tier AFC contender? Oh, I think so. I think they were an AFC contender without him. And when we say top tier, the, the question is for me is will Tannehill be able to repeat what he did last year? Can Derrick Henry, who really is the focus of that offense, stay healthy? And the A.J. Browns and, you know, uh, Jonu Smith and that offense, how they elevate to the next level. But Brave, uh, they're well coached. They've got a, a very good front office. So I think that they were a contender regardless because they don't beat themselves very often. And hell, they were in the Final Four last year. So, yes, Jadavion Clowney, the question is, how will he generate? You know, he's never been a double-digit sack guy, but he's a great run disruptor and disrupts the backfield enough to obviously have his presence felt, as you guys know in Seattle, what he brings to the table. So there's no doubt they close the gap. You know, we got three really good teams. I would say it's the Colts, Tennessee, and the Texans in that order as far as the team goes and the division goes right now, John. Yeah, I agree. I, I think what it comes down to is that you see Tennessee, and I know that it got a little bit of a late start because you know Marcus Mariota ironically ends up going on the IR yesterday, which is, of course, a minimum of three games, and losing the battle to Derek Carr is that they're a better team with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, but are they going to be as good offensively as what you're going to see from Phillip Rivers getting together with Frank Reich and that offensive line I think that there's there's going to be an edge there but you know my my initial thought was okay that uh you know you take with Rivers it would take it to 11 wins and he figured that uh nine wins maybe for Tennessee you know Clowney can maybe get them to 10 and possibly 11 but I still think the advantage is Indianapolis because that's a team that's been put together well for the last couple years you know they're young they're good on the offensive line they're getting better on defense you know it's going to be tough with the edge rushers that are going to be there because you got Vic B 
Beasley. You also have, uh, you know, Josephi and Clowney, but Beasley hasn't been able to do anything. Right now he's actually listed behind Clowney as far as on that depth chart. But overall, I think right now Indy's the best team. But, boy, you can see that uh, that's a good team right now in Tennessee. Second down, which NFC East quarterback is under more pressure to win in 2020, Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz? Oh, I think Dak Prescott because Wentz has got paid. Um, And I think most people believe that the Cowboys' overall roster is better. Um, For Wentz, a lot of it comes down to putting putting players around him has been the question, and can those players stay healthy? And we've already seen their offensive line affected. Um, I don't think anybody questions Carson Wentz's ability. I think when Carson Wentz is right, even when he doesn't have a lot of help, the guy's a phenomenal, phenomenal talent and a great player. The, the question they have of him is durability. I mean, it, is he going to miss games? What's going to happen in building around him? So a lot of it has to do with the people they put around him. Dak Prescott always has players around him, has. And I'm a, bit, I'm a fan of both, and Dak Prescott's proven more durable so far. But I, I think they both have pressure. But Wentz was having an MVP season before he got hurt a couple of years ago, and they go and win a Super Bowl. So pressure always in Philadelphia, and obviously in Dallas there's pressure. But Prescott's waiting for a new contract. He saw what Deshaun Watson made. This is a loaded roster that's got nothing. I mean, they, they think they have a Super Bowl roster. And because it's the Cowboys and what they have accomplished in the past, I don't think there's any question, especially with the money waiting on him, Dak Prescott wants to get paid. I think it's him, John, because Carson Wentz has been paid. Yeah, agreed. And and that's the thing I think is so unfair. And you've seen it so many times through the years. You know, they're saying, wow, Carson Wentz, he's an injury guy. Well, it's like That's like saying Phil Simms was no good because he had injuries in his first couple of years. Okay, so he gets hurt making a big playoff run uh, and then – uh, couldn't make the playoffs, and there's Nick Foles coming off the bench. But then the other thing is, you know, he's in the playoff game last year. I mean, he survived last year until Jadevian Clowney came in with his helmet and gave him a concussion. Now, was that an injury-prone guy? No, it was just a hit. And, of course, he couldn't finish the game. But overall, I think right now the pressure's on Dak Prescott because, uh, you know, he's still waiting for the contract that right now is there for Carson Wentz. Third down. Which team is your sleeper pick for the 2020 season? Oh, man, sleeper pick. I'm going to tell you somebody who I think is going to impact divisions in the NFC. And a sleeper, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming a sleeper pick for me is a team that we don't really have is, is one of the top two teams in the division but could. I think the Arizona Cardinals are dangerous. They do. And I think that while I know Seattle and San Francisco are clearly the best teams in the division, Kyler Murray, Adam DeAndre Hopkins, they got pass rush. I think they're dangerous because Kyler Murray is a star in the making in this league, I promise you. And I don't think we can put Pittsburgh there because they're a top power rankings team, but they've got Ben coming back. Um, I, I, I guess that if, they're, if they live up to the talent and Baker Mayfield plays well, their roster says playoff roster. But I got, they got to prove it to me before I can buy in. So I'm going to say a team – in that division out there, I think Kyler Murray, they're, 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 they kind of remind me of the Padres from a couple of years ago or the Chicago White Sox. Young, energetic stars in certain positions, and maybe a roster two or three players away from being a playoff caliber team. I think they're going to disrupt the playoff picture this year. 
Yeah, I would have to say that uh, you know Cleveland's going to, I think, make the playoffs. They got better coaching than Kevin Stefanski. I think Baker Mayfield's mind's in a good set, but still, that's finishing third in the division because I think you know the, a sleeper pick is. I still think Pittsburgh. They don't get the credit. Didn't make the playoffs last year. Right. You know, and so uh, you look at that uh, the schedule that they have, second easiest schedule in the league. How many young quarterbacks they face? They got a top five defense and Ben Roethlisberger. That's my sleeper pick. The season starting on Thursday this is our last opportunity to get some Super Bowl predictions in before the season. So which teams do you think meet in Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl? Uh, I In the AFC, while I, 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 for a Super Bowl pick, had the last question about a Super Bowl pick, John, I think because we have discussed this, the Pittsburgh Steelers to me are a dangerous Super Bowl team. If you blink with that offense and that nasty defense, they've got a chance. Um, I think Baltimore statistically would think, seem to take a step back. I don't see how they can offensively do what they did. I mean, even as Lamar could be great, I don't know how he can continue to, to, to do what he did last year, but maybe he can. I'm talking about statistically, but I think he's a wonderful playmaker. The Chiefs still seem to be the best team in the AFC. They just do. I mean, while there's some challengers, I just think overall, until you can hit Mahomes and keep him down, and that defense I think's improved, I'll go with Kansas City in the AFC, John. And then the NFC, I think the safe pick is New Orleans. I think uh, uh, another safe pick, even though they've got to elevate offensively with some injuries, is the 49ers. Seattle's a safe pick. I'm, I'm going to go with a pick nobody wants to hear. I think they've gotten better. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have closed the gap. And with experience and Brady knowing what Jan- – if you get him to January, they are extremely scary. If they're healthy and their defensive back end steps up, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Why don't I go with Brady versus Mahomes in this Super Bowl? I'll take Tampa Bay – just to be a little bit different, and Kansas City in the AFC. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go the safe way. New Orleans and Kansas City. You know, Kansas City just as by far, I think, is going to score. I'll score everybody. I think New Orleans can outscore and play better defense. So I like these two teams, and where Tampa Bay is definitely going to be in the mix. I think that they're still. In fact, where I think they can be is maybe a game or two behind New Orleans. But I think right now, you look at New Orleans and you think automatically 12 wins, maybe even 13. You know, Tampa Bay may get to. To 11 they could get to 12 but i think the advantage right now is in new orleans but kansas city i think stands out and of course uh, it stands out when we have four downs great to be able to start the season and sean i'm looking forward to talking to you on friday can't wait we'll have a game to talk about at least one that's already in the books john i look forward to it brother thank All right, you sounds good hey you can check out the show and make sure that uh, you do that and of course uh, listen to it on 710 sports app it's powered by the dubin law group coming up next we're going to get the report card out it's the john clayton show 710 espn seattle it's time for the report card with the professor. And the report card we get out every day. We look at the good, the bad, the ugly. We're smart to super. What people say, what people do. We take the stories, the anecdotes. We take social media comments. We take the voices and we attach a grade to it. And Curtis Rogers each day is gracious enough to give us the report card. So, Curtis, what do we have? Well, John, let's get started on the report card today. This one comes to us from the L.A. Angels, who are playing a doubleheader. Uh, over the weekend in their home ballpark. But because of how many cancellations there have been in Major League Baseball this season, they were forced to be the road team for one game of that doubleheader in their own ballpark. So kind of a confusing situation. Well, their announcer, Victor Rojas, he got confused by it in a big way. The Angels hit a home run in the seventh inning, which is the final inning of a doubleheader this year, and he thought it was a walk-off home run. They still had a half inning left to play. Here's Here's his call. 
Castellanos ready the first one. It's out toward left field, toward the corner. The Angels have walked off on the Strohs. Oh, man. I hate this doubleheader visiting stuff. <laughs> they will have walked off when they close it out. Yes, what a swing by Red Doan. Mets a 353 against the Astros. Three-run home run and the lead for the Angels. So the Angels took the lead. The game was not over. They did eventually get the win. John, how are we grading the confusion uh, by so many doubleheaders yeah. in Major League Baseball? Yeah, and of course year. the Mariners are going to get that, uh, you know, I think, in the last series when they have to play mm-hmm. what was a home game that was canceled because of the A's, and it's going to be a doubleheader down in Oakland. So I guess it is confusing. You go into a certain pattern if you're going to be doing play-by-play and all that. I'm not going to be overly critical and give them a D or an F. I'll just give them a C plus. You know, just because, again, I mean, you know, it's it's so different for every announcer right now. I mean, here you are. You're not going on the road. You're doing games in your own stadium. I mean, it's very confusing like that. And you get into a pattern. And it's like, OK, that's it. Oh, wait a second. I got that wrong. So I'll give him a C plus. Yeah, I'm not going to grade him too harshly because there's so much different about baseball this year. Like you said, John. Uh, and it sounded like in the call he was a good sport about it. You know, just, oh, I hate this uh, seven-inning doubleheader stuff. It's just, it's, baseball is so ingrained. The rules, nine innings, three outs, that's just that's just second nature to everybody. Uh, and the fact that now baseball is kind of a little different in terms of uh, how it gets played in this 2020 season, uh, it can make for some mistakes like that. Also, John, on the report card today, we've already got a head coach firing in college football. Uh, Southern Miss, they play in the American Athletic Conference. They have fired their head coach, Jay Hobson, after just one game. They lost to South Alabama. John, uh, one game into the season seems a little harsh to fire a guy. Maybe there was something in the works. He had an above 500 record uh, during his previous three seasons at Southern Miss. Uh, one game into the year, he's already out of a job. How are we grading that move? That's an F. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's like, okay, uh, he's he's got to you know fight the virus. I mean, it was one where it's like you're four weeks ago, you probably didn't even know if you're going to be able to have any games, and so he goes out and he loses a game and he gets fired. That's an absolute F. I mean, it's like, what are they thinking? Or they're obviously they're not thinking. I mean, how can you do something like that? I mean, a coach has as tough of a job right now as he's ever had, trying to keep the players under control, trying to figure out how to do it with limited practice time. You don't know day to day if you're going to be able to do anything because, like, you know, what is it? SMU, I think they just had their game delayed a week because of positive tests, and you got Iowa. It's like it's ridiculous. I give that school an F. Yeah, I give them an F as well. I mean, that is a quick hook if there ever was one. Uh, he had a winning record going into this season at Southern Miss, a place it's not necessarily easy to win at, uh, and yet he's he's getting the hook. Maybe there was something brewing underneath that we don't know about, but uh, not, a, not a good yeah, it's move. It's completely unfair. Uh, also, John, on the report card today, we finally get a resolution to the, well, at least an NFL side a resolution to the other side of the Quentin Dunbar case as the Giants have officially released cornerback DeAndre Baker following his arrest back on May 13th. He is facing four charges still in that case, but as we know, it could be a while before that case goes to trial, probably looking at 2021 at the earliest, maybe 2022 at the likeliest. So, John, 
Uh, DeAndre Baker, no longer a member of the New York Giants. How are we great, Matt? Yeah, well, we'll, give it, we'll give it a B just because we all knew it was going to happen. I mean, from the very beginning, I mean, the reporters that we talked to in New York and had on the show all said the same thing, is that, uh, you know, he didn't do well last year. He was a first-round pick, and, you know, ironically, in fact, we should probably look up the draft choices, but, uh, you know, that tr- they traded up two draft choices to be able to get him, and, of course, what team did they trade with to get him? That would be the Seahawks. That would be the Seahawks, yeah. So it's like... Uh, how crazy is that? And so, uh, you know, Quentin Dunbar was able to get his name cleared, which, of course, that was good. And it gave him the opportunity now to see. And you notice there's nothing coming from the league right now. So it looks like he's clear and he's battling for the starting job against Trey Flowers. Uh, but in the case, uh, and the police reviewed it and said, OK, I can't see anything on Quentin. But, boy, we have enough here on Baker. It looked like, you know, armed robbery. We'll take it from eight to four. But that's going to be as far as the counts. And so it's like no surprise that he's gone. I think, what wasn't it the Marquise Blair pick that Seahawks got in yeah. exchange for that? Yeah. Not a bad trade. Uh, no. <laughs> I would take that move every single day. Uh, and then also on the report card, John, Detroit Lions center Frank Ragnow. Uh, he grew up in Minnesota, was a huge Vikings fan uh, as a kid, and he was very starstruck when it was announced that the Lions were signing Adrian Peterson, a childhood hero of his, but playing for the Vikings for so long. Here is Ragnow uh, describing to the media his first meeting with Adrian Peterson as a Lion. Right when he uh, entered the league, and I remember, I mean, AD all day, baby. I remember him running for 296 versus the Chargers. It's, I mean, wild, just wild. I can't even describe it. My family's freaking out. All my friends back home are freaking out. It's pretty cool. How did you settle on uh, introducing yourself? Hey, I'm Frank. You know, I just kept it, kept it cool. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Hey, I'm Frank. I'm from Minnesota. And, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. But I, I tried to keep it cool. Did, did you have a note card for him? One of your little note cards with all the factoid information? <laughs> get him to sign it. I was trying to get my mom to try to find see if I still – because I'm pretty sure I had his jersey growing up. So I was trying to see if she, we still had it, see if I could get it signed. But – I'm going to try to keep my cool. Are we grading Frank's keeping it cool reaction to meeting his childhood hero? Yeah, I'm going to give it a... I'm going to, you know, the reason I'm going to give it a B minus because he didn't answer the big question when you meet uh, Adrian Peterson. Did you get the handshake? Oh, yeah. I mean, so I, I mean, it's a B, but I'm going to give him a B minus because it's like, hey, listen, you can't talk about being starstruck by Adrian Peterson and not talk about the, you know, getting the handshake, which, of course, I've had it. It destroys your hand. It almost <laughs> takes you days to be able to recover from it. I know you, he had a big hand because he's a blocker and all that stuff, but it's like, give me a break. I, I give it a B minus. Yeah, I mean, that that is an interesting point there, John. I hadn't thought of that. But, yeah, Adrian Peterson, well-known throughout the NFL for having the strongest handshake of anybody. Uh, I've never shook Adrian Peterson's hand. The I think the strongest handshake I've ever uh, felt was from former Seahawks receiver and NFC Championship game hero Chris Matthews. Mm-hmm. That guy has a strong handshake. Uh, so text in your strongest handshakes to the Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line. Also, John... Finally, on the report card, the NFL announced today that they will be giving free Sunday ticket packages to families of players and coaches for the 2020 season. Obviously, uh, families aren't able to travel to games and uh, can't see their their sons or their husbands or their fathers, anybody like that, uh, playing this year in person. But they are going to be able to catch them on TV, no matter where it is that they live in the United States. Or so how are we grading that gesture by the NFL? Oh, we'll give it we'll give it a uh, an A because again, it's like uh, this just taking care and. Get, Letting everybody enjoy what 
everybody's been waiting for. So I think that's a great thing. So in fact, I I got to figure out today. I got to re if I'm getting the Sunday ticket again. Uh, I need to renew just because again, I'm all my work is going to be from home. So uh, what's your thoughts? Should I get that or should I go I'll go uh, maybe on Google.com or something like that and get the Red Zone Packers or what should I do? Uh, I mean, you've been loyal to them for so many years. You yeah. might, might be able to get them get a, get a nice deal out of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense to keep the Sunday ticket, I guess. Yeah, I mean, of course, I remember one time they had one of the people come over to fix something on the on Direct TV, and they did a thousand dollars of damage in the house, which Whoa. wasn't very good. But and they haven't paid for it yet. But okay, Yikes. we'll have to figure that out. Okay, but that's that's a subject for a different time. But but I do have to figure that out today. Hey, be sure to check out the professor's notes on seven ten sports dot com. The professor's notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at five. Coming up next, we're going to go on to Busy Hard Seltzer text line and take your text questions. 710-710, it's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On demand with a 710 Seattle Sports app. It is time to go on a busy hard seltzer text line and take your text questions. We got the cuts in. Most of the teams are pretty well set, although there's negotiations going on. The Andre Hopkins getting a deal for $54.5 million, two-year extension. You know, uh, 13.25 Kareem Hunt, the running back. Alvin Kamara getting close to a deal. And we are taking your text questions. Curtis, what do we have? From the 360, John, they want to know what do you think the odds are Clay Matthews joins the Seahawks? You know, I wouldn't eliminate it, although it has to be done today because, you know, if you're going to be Clay, and I, everything I hear it could be wrong, but I hear $5 million, that could be a possibility. And uh, But he needs to get here to get COVID's testing, to get his physical and all that. And if he doesn't get here for the first game, then whatever he signs, it's not going to be guaranteed. And maybe that could be the idea, is that uh, you wait till next week and bring him in, but I think there's still a chance. 425 wants to know, do you think Michael Thomas will put up similar numbers than what he did in 2019? I would think so, yeah. I mean, I, why wouldn't he? He's the best receiver in football. He's making these. No, he's no longer one of the highest paid because you know deals are coming in above him, but I'd, I'd certainly uh, give him the ice right now because I think he's one of the best. 253 wants to know, which team is more likely to regress, Baltimore or San Francisco? Uh, I think of the two, San Francisco, but not by much. I mean, this is still a very good team. You know how good they are in the defensive line. I get concerned about the injuries. You see the injuries that they have at wide receiver. You know, and I, I think people are overrating them a little bit because, again, you know, they've got some issues on the offensive line. Trent Williams might be a slight upgrade from Joe Staley, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, the, the center position right now is a big question mark. And the thing that I think is going to be problematic for them is going to be uh, the, this, this coverage in the secondary. You're going to be fine with Richard Sherman. You know, they're a little weak at safety and a little weak at the other cornerback position. And in the division right now, we have DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald. The speed that Seattle has, I think that could be tough. 425 wants to know, is Travis Kelsey's knee a concern for Kansas City? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's just a minor injury. I, I'd be surprised if there's going to be any problems. Uh, but uh, no, I, in fact, uh, right before the start of the show, uh, uh, what was said by Andy Reid is that everybody on the injury list is going to play. So what does that say? says he's going to play. He's going to play. From the 425, they want to know, John, do you think Josh Jacobs 
finishes 2020 as one of the 10 best running backs in the NFL. Absolutely. I thought that, uh, you know, as, as much as Kyler Murray did so well, I thought that Josh should have been rookie of the year because I thought he was so good running the football. I really liked that, uh, you know, what he's able to do. So overall, I think that, uh, you know, what he had 13 games and I don't know, 1,200 yards or something like that. I just think he's really good. 253, they want to know, do you think rookie Jonathan Taylor will lead the Colts in rushing this year? I, I doubt it. And the reason is it's going to be a shared position, but I think Marlon Mack has the edge. But this is, you know, again, Mack is one of the, it will start out to be 10 running backs that are on one year, in the last year of their contract from the 2017 draft. And I thought it's kind of curious. That's why I'm wondering if they're really seriously negotiating with Aaron Jones because they got uh, A.J. Dillard in the draft. And when they traded up to get Jonathan Taylor, that tells me, even though they got plenty of money right now with the Colts, that they may not give the money to Mack and they'll have Jonathan Taylor. 425 wants to know, how concerning is it for Arizona with Kenyon Drake wearing a boot during camp? Uh, that's got to be a concern. I mean, uh, you know, particularly any kind of a foot injury like that, and we don't know exactly what it is. And it's funny because there's been less you – know, people aren't saying as much about the injury front as they probably should. Because, uh, you know, like, for example, I was talking to uh, somebody down in Tennessee yesterday, and they haven't said anything about Vic Beasley, who's basically done nothing and was on the NFI list and just came off of that. So very curious. The 425 wants to know, John, do you think the Lions will be really bad this year or hopefully around 500? No, I think they're going to be six wins maybe. I mean, maybe seven. I mean, the only thing that saves them right now is having a good quarterback. And that's, you know, because I, I do I do like Matthew Stafford. I think he's very good. But, no, I think that uh, you look at it and you say, no way. Kenny Galladay is pretty good, too, their wide oh, yeah. receiver. but. Yeah, outside of those guys, I don't think there's much reason for hope in Detroit this season. Uh, no. 253, interesting question here, John. They want to know, do you think Russell Wilson has more than 30 pass attempts on Sunday? Mm, yeah, I think so, sure, because uh, what you're looking at is that uh, uh, it's you know their secondary doesn't have uh, Desmond Trufant. I mean, they've got some weaknesses right now in that secondary, and so, yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah, let's see here. Last year in his games, Russell Wilson had he had a few games that went over 30 pass yeah. attempts. I, the majority of them went over 30. Uh, so I think that could definitely happen again mm-hmm. on Sunday. Uh, 425 wants to know, John, was the Titans' success last year a one-off thing, or do you expect them to be back in 2020? No, I expect them to be back. I mean, you know, and they're going to be better. I mean, this this thing, because now they've settled the quarterback position and the team belongs to Ryan Tannehill, and then you look at uh, what they have with Jadevi and Clowney going there. So, no, I think they're for real. I just think that the Colts are going to win the division. Uh, this one comes to us from the 425. They want to know, do you think Alvin Kamara gets his deal done before the week is over? Ah, sounds like it, yeah. I mean, I didn't think there was much of a chance, but the fact that you have uh, Sean Payton willing to you know, try to find a way to get a team to help him get the $12 million to get uh, Jadevian Clowney, they didn't take that cap room. I think, yeah, I think that they'll get something done. From the 253, they want to know, John, any... Any movement at all on the Colin Kaepernick front? No, none. No, I mean, nobody's nobody's seemingly talking to him. Nobody's bringing him in for visits. It's unfortunate, but it doesn't look good. Yeah, he he has not gotten any sort of. It looked like there was some momentum heading his way, and then it just all came to a halt once camp started. 
Uh, this one comes to us from the, let's see here, from the 3-6-L. They want to know, do you think Unique Ngakwe gets double-digit sacks with Minnesota? Mm, I think so, yeah. Yeah, because, uh, you know, although, yeah, I, I think so, because uh, you you got him. Because I look at it the same way as Green Bay last year. They picked up Sedarius uh, Smith, and they picked up Preston Smith, and they both rushed from the outside. And now on a 4-3 defense, and they combined actually for 25 and a half sacks, because I could see Daniil Hunter and him getting 25 sacks. Another 3-6-L wants to know, John, which rookie receiver will have the most yards at the end of the year? I'm looking... I, I don't know. I just think he's the best of the receivers. I'm going to go with Jerry Jude uh, in Denver. I mean, Henry Ruggs, I think, is going to be great for 18, 19 yards a catch. Uh, certainly, you know, C.D. Lamb is going to do well. But, again, Amari Cooper is still going to get more of the pass catches there. But I think right now uh, Jerry Judy is going to be the rookie that's going to have the best season. It's a really good receiver class. you got oh, yeah. Justin Jefferson, too, uh, in, in Minnesota. Well. Yeah. yeah, a lot of good a lot of good receivers. 425 wants to know, John, what are your expectations for the Chargers this season? Uh, pretty good. In fact, I, you know, I, I made the bold prediction that there's not going to be a worst to first because you look at it and you know six of the six of the eight teams and maybe even seven will be drafting in the top 10 but I think what you look at as the Chargers is that uh, you know they like Tyrod Taylor at quarterback it did hurt to lose Derwin James they have an outside shot of the wild card but I still think Denver is going to you know, kind of nudge them out and I don't I think the Raiders right now are still at seven wins and this one from the 509, they want to know, do you think DeAndre Hopkins gets a touchdown on Sunday? Mm, yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you think they're going to make a point. It is a division game. You know, I'd say right now, and that's, and that's the interesting thing about you look at the matchup with Seattle and San Francisco, two completely different philosophies. You know, you build from the back uh, because, again, you can get a longer run with the guys in the secondary. You saw that with the Legion of Boom, and you're seeing that right now with this group. And then you come back and you say, okay, what about the 49ers? You know, five of their last six draft choices in the first round have been defensive linemen. And so could they keep them all? So, no, I think that uh, there's definitely a, a good shot that, you know, Kyler Murray is going to be throwing one to Hopkins. That is going to do it for text questions. Okay, so coming up next is going to be our Daily Dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. And it's time for our Daily Dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. And so now, Dave, I guess with the Mariners on a six-game winning streak, 11 out of 15, 12 out of 16, as far as their, how they've been able to go, is it time to dare to dream? Oh, of course, man, of course. It's, uh, they're, they're a couple games out with 19 to play. They, they have a gauntlet down the stretch, of course, 16 and 19 games against winning teams, or I guess it's 15 against 18 at this point, but... But why not? Uh, they've played their best baseball in the last two weeks. The Astros are injured and struggling. Um, it would be, I was discussing with, uh, with our boy Curtis that wouldn't it be a typical Mariner thing that they would break the streak in a year that fans can't go to the games? Yeah, isn't that strange? But, and then, of course, costing himself what would be a good draft choice and what would be, you know, a year that, uh, you know, you'd like to continue to add to the roster. But what's amazing, and I know that it stunned me because when the words were coming out of my mouth yesterday talking to you, that the Mariners were two games behind the Yankees for last place. And now to come back to say today that the uh, Mariners are two games behind the Astros for second place in the AL West, it's like, 
Are these words that I'm actually saying true, or is this uh, false or fake news? <laughs> it's uh, it's unbelievable. It's a uh, tribute to their uh, tremendous uh, play so far. Like I said, in the last couple of weeks, throwing the ball extremely well from the starting rotation standpoint. And I think, you know, the other big aspect to it is how good and tight they've been defensively. I, I think I was reading at a piece, one error in the last 11 games uh, while taking advantage of an easier schedule. The fact of the matter is pitching and defense has always been a, a way, no matter what happens in baseball, to win ball games. And that's what the Mariners have been doing over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, and, and so just amazing to think. And <clears throat> what's great is that the starting pitching, and that actually seeing some signs of hope in the bullpen. And, you know, it's weird because, uh, you know, the guys that they ended up either cutting or putting in trades were some of the relievers that were really struggling. And now that these guys are gone, and I know that they, what, got seven or so rookies in the bullpen, is that uh, some of these guys are actually doing some decent things that are new. Graveman, Hirano, who is the guy they were counting on, uh, who had a COVID-19 uh, situation, is, is is a steadying force. Graveman was really impressive. We talked about his last time out. I mean, you've got to have a decent bullpen, but you know what has helped them is the fact that their starting pitching has been able to go so deep uh, in into games over the past couple of weeks. They haven't needed much from their bullpen, but like we said, though the real test is coming. You know, the last uh, 18 games against most of them against winning teams, but uh, you know the last week against the teams you're chasing. Uh, in Houston and, and Oakland, so uh, although really just chasing Houston at this point, so that they're 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 basically you know they can standing watch from this point on two games out with 19 to play would be in a regular season would be two games out with uh, you know right where we're at in the third week of September or the first week of September you would definitely consider it a pennant race and you know uh, they they got confidence they're young uh, no one no one's expecting them to be here that they're not feeling pressure it's. It's all the X factors are working for them right now, but but again, it's a uh, it's a daunting part of the schedule coming up, beginning with the Giants and including the Diamondbacks and lots of the A's and Astros. So we'll see, but it has been a fun ride so far. But actually, when I look at the schedule, I mean, really, these next seven games <clears throat> could put them in a good spot. I mean, not much was expected from the uh, Giants, but they have four games against them, two at, on the road, two at home. Arizona is one of the worst teams in the National League, and so. It would not surprise me that they come out of these seven-game stretches at 500 or maybe a game or two above that. Yeah, they do that. I mean, then you're looking at a run that's been going on for three or four weeks and and just, you know, a team that's simply playing good baseball, period, and and, uh, confidence levels would soar. So I would agree with you that that the next week is key, and they got to be better than 500, John, if they're going to be in it. They they know that. So, I mean, if if they run through this stretch better than 500, uh, they'll get people uh, very excited, including themselves, I would imagine. Yeah, of course, that's the thing. I was like, I, I don't believe playoffs because it doesn't look like a playoff team, but right now it's playing somewhat like a playoff team. It is, and, and uh, it's baseball. I mean, strange things happen in baseball. I mean, it's happening all over the place. The Tigers lost 114 games last year, and they're, they're flirting with the, with, with the postseason. Um, you know, we, the Marlins, same thing. I mean, a team that that that, that gutted themselves are, are are close to the postseason at this point. Baseball, more than any other sport, you, you, you have the unexpected happen, and, and teams go from worst to first. And and uh, you know, the Mariners have just been overdue for for some magic. They've been overdue for some good luck. So. Yes, I encourage everyone to climb aboard. Let's dare to dream. Why not? Yeah, why not? Because it it is fun to watch. And what do you think that means for the future? Let's say that even if they don't make the playoffs but finish with a 500 record or better, what does that bode well for next year? Oh, big time, hugely. Uh, Number one, that they have not compromised uh, the prospects that that they're planning on being a huge part of the future. So they have not used up that kind of eligibility, which or or those those years counting against 
uh, before you become a free agent. So that that's a smart move. You've given confidence to to a bunch of your core group guys uh, who have now gone through the fire, have gone through what, what knows what it feels like to be in a pennant race. These are the young guys, Kyle Lewis, uh, J.P. Crawford, uh, guys going to lead you forward. You know, to have this kind of experience is invaluable. And, uh, you know, Marco Gonzalez, who's the leader of this team for a lot of good reasons, they talked about it yesterday, about them just bonding as a team. And, and so it's uh, the, the good that it is already done. Uh, is immeasurable and and uh, definitely bodes bodes very well for for the timetable they have going to, to seriously contend starting next year. What does it say for uh, Scott Service and how well he's done? Uh, it says a lot, John, because it's very you know normally you would look at a manager to, to get him close and then someone to push him over the top and and Scott Service has has, has been a very steadying hand. Uh, you know people have have kind of questioned some as they do with every manager question use of bullpen and things like that, but he has, he has maintained his focus. He's maintained his composure. Uh, he's got his team playing well for him. They don't have, uh, they don't have, uh, any, any incidents that we're aware of off the field going. So, uh, hats off to Scott Service for doing a, doing a very good job up until this point and, and justifying all the faith that Jerry DePoto had in him. Yeah. And how about Jerry DePoto? What kind of job has he done? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got him poised and ready. Uh, remember, this is a team that had one of the worst farm systems in baseball and now is, uh, Got a top ten one, if not even better than that, and and you see in the fruits of his his labors, his first first round pick Kyle Lewis uh, already coming through and playing in a big time. His first big trade was the Marco Gonzalez deal. That one uh, has worked out. So I mean, it's uh, when you're when you're in a stretch like this, everything looks great. But John, it is it is baseball. You play a lot of games between now and when we talk, for example, next week. Um, you know, we'll see how we feel a week from today, but but right now, all systems are go. Yeah, the feeling is pretty good about the way things are right now. And then, how do you explain what's going on in this division? Because you know, it, you figured that uh, you know last year, I mean, it was a big gap. I mean, this team was the worst team in the division, and now you've got the Angels dropping down. I mean, you've got the Rangers being terrible, and now you got the Astros being you know what on a five five game losing streak and a, you know, yeah. close to being a five hundred team. Well, I mean, look, here's, here's where the 60 games certainly factors in. I mean, as opposed to 160 games, uh, where things would, would have a chance to, to probably play out a little bit more according to form. That's one factor. I think from, uh, you know, the Rangers standpoint, uh, we talked about it yesterday that they were counting on some young guys that haven't come through and have had some injuries. The Astros, uh, under Dusty Baker have been just, just hammered by injuries in the, in the past week and it's shown they've lost Lance McCullers now as well out of their rotation. So they, they've had, they've had a tremendous number of injuries. That's, that's been their big bugaboo. And in meantime, the A's have been what they, we thought they would be. They've been real good, but you know, the Angels, uh, brought in Rendon and, and are getting a big season from Trout. And, and actually, John, if I remember, they've, they've won four in a row themselves. Uh, so they're, they're actually playing better baseball at this point as well and, and maybe poised to make their own September run. Yeah, but it's just it's just wild to see how this season has really uh, gone where nobody expected it to go, and we'll see how it ends up finishing up. Well, of course, uh, it's always great to finish up with it, our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. What's on the agenda today? Uh, John, just trying to boot him home, and, and uh, I'm going to miss tomorrow, but I'll be back with you again on Thursday. Okay, well, that sounds great. That's our Daily Dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby, and we will be back tomorrow at 10. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.